Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have our special guest, Ricarda Deach. Ricarda, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah. Ricarda, you have so much going on today, but before we get to the current situations and things that are happening, will you give us a little bit of background and tell us a little bit about yourself? Maybe it's uh, where you're from and kind of where you started. Sure thing. Yeah, um, so I um, was born and raised in East Germany. So for those of you guys, you know, know a little bit of history, that was back in the day, it was communist when I grew up. I uh, grew up on a farm, you know, a little town of 100 people. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, uh, growing up in communism, it's probably a little bit of what you all, you know, think it was. It's a lot of gray, you know, Eastern block apartment buildings. Um, you know, everybody... Uh, Everybody had a job. Nobody didn't work. Um, free childcare is probably one of the things I throw out there um, that kind of defined me as a kid. Both of my parents worked. Um, both of my parents had guaranteed employment, and so uh, probably a little different than you know many folks around here grew up, where maybe their mom stayed home and took care of the kids. You know that just really wasn't part of our society. So um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's really my background. And then ultimately what happened is when I was in high school, the wall came down and uh, it really opened up a whole lot of different possibilities, right? You kind of, you live behind the iron curtain and all of a sudden, you know, the world kind of opens up and I've been a competitive kayak racer back in the day. I, I got involved with kayaking in, in uh, second grade and um, you know, at that point in time, I traveled around with my sports and actually had been at a um, kind of one of those communist boarding schools where you know, I had a very regulated schedule. You know, I, I woke up at 6 a.m. every morning and I went to bed at 10 p.m. at night and pretty much my whole day was planned for. Um, and so all of a sudden the wall comes down and, you know, the, the world is really open. And so at that point in time, I was like, okay, let me graduate high school and let me figure out what I want to do from here. And Ultimately, I signed up for an exchange program. I ended up in Arizona with a family as an au pair and, um, you know, came to the U.S. and uh, I've really never looked back since then. Wow, that's huge. What an incredible experience to just be able to bring all of that with you here. And um, so when you got to Arizona, what, what kind of happened from there? Well, you know, I basically had a year of downtime, so to speak, right? I was no longer in high school. I wasn't in college yet. I had a little one-year-old boy that I took care of. And, you know, at the time, you know, you picture I had uh, Russian as my first foreign language in school. And then English was my second foreign language. But as you can imagine, you know, trying to learn a couple of foreign languages, the second one usually doesn't get a whole lot of attention. So my number one objective really was just, hey, how do I communicate with people here? Because you know, I speak very basic English. And uh, so that was my number one focus, just trying to, you know, learn the language and um, just really enjoy the, the lifestyle out here. And I came in with pretty much no preconceived notions. I mean, I certainly had learned a lot about capitalism and what that was all about. 
And, uh, you know, there's a lot of bad things, just like you guys were taught a lot of bad things about communism. So really just trying to learn, take it all in, you know, connect with some friends. And I remember when I went out to San Diego was, uh, I got here uh, in July. So, it was, you know, it was 120 degrees in Phoenix at the time. Um, and then we made a trip out to San Diego and I saw the ocean and just the, the lifestyle out there. And that's when I knew I wanted to stay in this country and, and figure it out. And so, you know, at that time, I didn't have any money. My parents were just trying to figure out how to reestablish themselves, you know, in a new society. They were in their thirties at that point in time and were just trying to figure out life for themselves. So I ended up, you know, looking at what it would take to stay in this country. Um, got a, a student visa uh, and found another family to, to take care of the house and basically live for free for room and board and and um, you know, cleaned houses um, and babysat because I couldn't work in this country while I was putting myself through college. So, um, but you know, it was kind of one of those things where I had to decide: do I want to go back to Germany, where you know, college was free, um, and uh, you know, and do all of that, or do I want to stick around here? And ultimately, I just really love the freedom. I love the lifestyle, and um, you know, just wanted to wanted to give us a shot. Wow. That's so awesome. I mean, I can see now where so much of your work ethic, I mean, people who know you know that you are like, you get things done, you know, and you have a very strong reputation in this industry for being one of those people who really knows how to uh, take care of business. Um, so I imagine a lot of that probably came from your childhood and from having to kind of work through and, and navigate some of this. Uh, did your parents stay in Germany and you came by yourself? Yeah, my whole family is still back there. And, you know, I think our generation, we probably were all pretty eager to get out of the house, maybe a little different than today, right? Um, and I think part of it for me was just, you know, my, like I said, my family was trying to figure out how to figure out their life at the time, right? And and I think just to give you guys some perspective, unemployment when I left was around 40% where I grew up. And so picture that, right? And I think that really defined um, me in my 20s. Um, because I knew that I didn't want to live that life. And I think that probably along with my, you know, athletic background and really that, that hard work ethic and even going back as far as growing up on the farm, um, I think really defined who I was in my 20s. And, you know, as I look at my life today and my career today, I think my focus has shifted very drastically. But back in the early days, it was really about providing my own, you know, financial security because I had seen so much, you know, pain and, and so much despair um, back in the day when the wall came down and people were just trying to start over um, midlife and, you know, trying to figure it out. So I think that defined me for the longest time. And it took me a long time to really move past that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense based on your experience. So when you went to college, what did you go to college for? So I really wanted to go in international business. That was kind of first and foremost. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm on a student visa. I don't have a green card. You know, how do I make this all work? Um, and, you know, even then, it wasn't that easy to, you know, just immigrate into the U.S. It's, it's even a whole different story today. But back in the day, even though it was a little bit easier, it was still difficult. So I thought going the international business route would, you know, give me a pretty good opportunity to um, maybe get a work visa and be able to stay here. But ultimately when I started, uh, I took some accounting classes, you know, just the basic business classes. And 
you know, I saw everybody around me struggling with it. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, this is so easy. <laughs> uh, and so I think it just kind of led me down the path of uh, getting my accounting degree. I ended up going to Arizona State University and, uh, you know, getting my CPA after that. And uh, that really became my foundation. I interned with, uh, back then, a big eight accounting firm, KPMG. And uh, ended up getting a job offer from them between my junior and senior year in college, but also got a job offer from Ernst and Young at the same time, and ultimately decided to take that one. And then, you know, graduated. Uh, couldn't wait for my first paycheck. It was like one of those things where I'm like, wow, I'm actually going to have, you know, real money to spend. Um, and yeah, started there, you know, right after I graduated. And uh, you know, I think talk about work ethic. You know, that is a uh, that is a job, especially back in the day, that you just worked your butt off. Um, you know, it wasn't uncommon for us to work 70, 80 hours a week. And it was back at the at the tech boom. So, you know, we worked on a lot of these, you know, little itty bitty companies that were being gobbled out by bigger companies. Um, but then I was also really fortunate to uh, work in a real estate practice. And as you can imagine, when you have that type of a work schedule, there's a lot of attrition. Yeah. And so as people were leaving, I really ultimately became more of the real estate um, person in the office. And so I got to work with a lot of real estate developers, investors, and that's, I think, where I really developed my love for the industry. Um, really didn't deal with home building until much later, but really got exposed more to real estate investments and, and uh, master plan communities. So it was a really hard time. Um, because you really had the singular focus on just, you know, coming to work and, and putting in the time. But I look back on it and I just think I learned so much. Um, you know, you kind of, you show up at a different client every couple of weeks and, you know, you just kind of, you figure it out and you ask a lot of questions and you try not to be, you know, sound stupid or uneducated <laughs> and, and, you know, with time you just get better at it. And so, uh, you know, I think it really was a great building block for my career. That's awesome. And so then where did you go from there? So I stayed at ENY for five years. I really got, you know, I, I kind of was all gung-ho. I'm going to make partner here someday. But then as you can imagine, when you work those many hours, um, you're going to hit burnout at some point. At least most people do. And so did I. So after five years, I had a recruiter call me. And I was like in the middle of the summer, I was still working crazy hours, even though it wasn't busy season anymore. And I got to a point where two plus two wasn't four. It was like four and a half, three, five. I don't really know. You know, I, I just was so, I was so um, burned out at the time. And so I listened to the recruiter. I ended up getting a job offer from a local developer, um, gave my notice and, uh, you know, thought I was just going to go work for this, you know, private developer. Well, I showed up there on my first day and uh, lo and behold, you know, HR was sitting there and we said, hey, Ricardo, we're really sorry, but we restructured the organization and we no longer have a job for you. So here's three months severance, you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so that's how that uh, started. I was like, okay, okay, uh, let me, uh, you know, let me recalibrate and figure out what I want to do from here. And my old partner from Ernst & called and said, hey, you want to come back? I heard what happened. I'm like, no, I just can't. I just can't go back, um, you know, to that same grind anymore. I just got to look forward and figure out something else. And so I took a little bit of time off. Uh, ended up going scuba diving for a week in Mexico. Just kind of really just, you know, try to decompress a little bit. And um, then ended up getting hired by, uh, by Pulte Homes in uh, an assistant controller capacity. And it was out in the middle of nowhere in Sun City in Arizona. And I just, you know, I was like, what am I doing? 
Um, but then I, I got there and, you know, it was just such an amazing culture. It was a lot of young professionals and uh, home building was booming at the time. And so, you know, within three months, I got promoted to controller. And then a couple of years later, I got promoted to director. So it went pretty fast. And it just was kind of an unbelievable environment where, you know, you're kind of in your, in your mid to late 20s. Everybody else is your same age. And it was a very progressive company at the time. And so I just, you know, made a lot of really great connections and uh, continued to work really hard. Um, but it was just different. It was, uh, it was a lot more fun. That's awesome. Okay, so then there's your transition into the home building industry. Mm -hmm. And so did you come straight from Pulte to Colorado or what happened between there? Yeah, so, you know, as you guys all remember, the downturn hit. Um, I think my light just went off. Um, <laughs> it's not coming back on. Um, and uh, it, uh, it was a bit rough, right? I mean, we, we laid off about 90% um, of our people through that period of time. I ended up buying a home at the height of the market in 2006 in Arizona. And I lost about 30, 40% of my value in my home. And, you know, so many others lost way more than I did. So, uh, very little um, job opportunities at the time. And, uh, you know, you look around and every quarter for about 16 quarters, we laid off people. So at the time, it was really just, hey, how can I add value? How can I continue to keep my job and support my family? And I had a little boy at the time. So, you know, I kept just plugging away. But then as we were coming out of the downturn, um, an opportunity came up with Pulte for a VP position in Texas. And, you know, I'd lived in Arizona for 20 years at the time. I had my friends there. My friends really were my family. And so the idea of moving um, was really not top of my list, right? But ultimately, the company, you know, really wanted me there and decided to buy me out from under the house, which was a really, really big deal. And that is, I think that really was the trigger for me to say, okay, you know, let me go try this. Uh, and so I moved to Texas with, uh, with Pulte and really shifted my focus from, these grand master plan communities and, you know, building golf courses and big amenity centers to um, focusing on entry level housing, $150,000 price point. And I remember my boss saying, Ricarda, take that hat off. You know, you've done that, you know, it was really fun, but now you're going to serve a whole different buyer profile and uh, you're going to have to really shift your thinking and really think about things differently. And so uh, it took a little while and you had to shake me upside down a couple of times, but it was really fun. And, and I really appreciated, you know, just the, the just the difference with that first time home buyer and just how excited they are um, to move into their first home. And, you know, it's just such a such a huge experience and such a amazing thing, you know, about this country um, that that people can afford that that home ownership and it's still within reach for so many people. Right. So yeah, so I ended up in Texas and uh, you know, I um, I stayed with Pulte for about Three, four years there in that role um, you know it was one of the underperforming divisions at the time and uh, I ultimately um, you know with my boss and with our team really worked to you know sharpen our skills and uh, and turn the division operation around and we did and it was hard work and I had my second kid at the time so it was um, it was probably the most trying time in my life um, I think there were probably no less than 20 days when I wanted to quit because I just, you know, couldn't, just couldn't push forward another day, but I worked through it. And, you know, for anybody with little kids, it's just, uh, you know, they take a lot of energy, especially when they're small. And as a mom, you're trying to do it all. 
Uh, you're trying to do it with little as little help as possible. So it taught me to let go of some things. And, uh, you know, like I said, I pushed through in the end. And kind of when I was at the top of my game there, I got a call from Charlie, my current boss. Um, I'd worked with him back in the day at Pulte. I hadn't talked to him in six or seven years. You know, you talk about social capital and networking. Um, you know, it just, it came out of the blue. And Charlie's like, hey, I just got promoted to regional president. You know, I remember working with you and I want you to come work for me. I was like, Charlie, I, you know, we, haven't, I know, we haven't talked to each other in, you know, six, seven years. How are you? What's going on? And, you know, it's interesting coming to Taylor Morrison uh, in Scottsdale, you know, going back to Arizona. And, you know, the HR lady just told me, she's like, you know, Ricardo, he doesn't even want to interview anybody else. He just wants you. Um, so we're just going to have to figure this out. <laughs> so um, it's just, you know, I, I, I just look back and I'm like, you know what? Hard work pays off. Um, you know, building those relationships pays off. And, and truthfully, I've been with Taylor Morrison four years now. My, my first role coming to work for Charlie was a region CFO position. Um, it has just been unbelievable. Um, and, you know, I think for so many women in this industry, it, um, it can be overwhelming trying to fit in um, and really trying to be able to be you um, in, in a culture that maybe is a little bit different or working with people that are that maybe just don't understand you well enough. And, and I got to a point in my last job where I really was all about fitting in. Um, and Taylor Morrison really was all about being me and allowing other people to be themselves. And that's, it was so eye-opening to me. It was really probably the most profound change in my career. Um, and that I was working for a company that truly appreciated different um, mindsets. And it was, the, I think the most um, eye-opening thing for me was working with other division presidents that could actually say, I don't know, um, but I know somebody who does, so let me find out. That just wasn't acceptable, you know, in my prior job. And, and that just by itself was just really just, I think, the most profound change. And I think it really defined my leadership style today. So kind of fast forward, you know, I, I wasn't that region CFO role for a couple of years, and then the Denver division president job came open. And Charlie asked me to move out to Denver um, and, you know, lead this team here. And um, I got to tell you, it's just been the most rewarding job that I've, I've ever had. And I've, I've loved every bit of it. That's so awesome. I mean, thank you for sharing that with us. And, you know, Ricardo, you, like I've said before, your reputation precedes you. And I know that you have invested just so much of yourself in creating that reputation all these years leading up to even here now, your position in Denver. Um, you know, you touched on a couple of things like adding value and being authentic. Would you say that there's a few things or a few key ingredients in building real social capital or, or developing a network and relationships that really can be critical to your success? Yeah, absolutely. You know, here's what I would say, Sarah. I, I look back on my career and, and kind of, as I mentioned, in my, in my 20s and probably even in my early 30s, um, I really was very much... Um, selfish, I would say, you know, very focused on my own career, my own kind of, you know, security, so to speak. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier is that, you know, I'm, I was the only person in the United States and I had to kind of figure out my own life and I knew my parents couldn't help me. Right. So that security was so important to me. And I really had blinders on early in my career and probably because I worked so many crazy hours. Right. So I really focused on 
on work. And then I kind of sat back, um, you know, as you mature and you kind of look around and you're like, gosh, is this really how I want to live my life? You know, what's my legacy going to be? And, and what do I want to give back? And it really didn't happen for me until my 30s. Um, and that's really when I said, okay, well, you know, what, what do I have to do differently here? Um, and, you know, I kind of, what I was mentioning before, you know, Charlie reached out to me because I knew, you know, I was a great employee, but I remember when I interviewed with him, he said, Ricardo, you're just not even the same person anymore that I met, you know, 10 years ago. So you really, you've really changed. And I think, you know, I've always tried to surround myself with people that are different than me. Um, because I always, and, and, and I'm probably, it's probably my German upbringing, right? I, I don't necessarily love conflict, um, but I see the value in it. I see the value in discussion. I see the value in different opinions. Uh, and I really try to instill with my team, with my friends, and I try to seek out people that are willing to be open and honest with me. And, and so, you know, as you build that network of people that can be open with you, that will give you feedback, you know, um, I, I think it just evolves from there. And then you just kind of, I think, as you learn more about yourself um, and as you become a little bit more aware of your strengths and opportunities, you know, just self-observation, self-reflection, but even just, or even learning from others, I think you, you just progress, right? Um, and so for me today, especially being in a new market, um, I came in not knowing anybody, right? And so I've just really appreciated others reaching out to me and, you know, extending a hand or, you know, even just you saying, hey, you know, people, you know, love learning from you, love being around you, you have a reputation already, you know, I mean, I, I really appreciate that because I think you guys just have such an amazing network out here and there's so many amazing women um, in Denver in this industry that I've just been overwhelmed by it. And, you know, at this point, I really just, you know, want to try to give back and want to try to offer my advice and continue to learn from, from other ladies. And I think, you know, for me here in, in um, Denver, Taylor Morrison, you know, as we first, um, as I first got here, got my first employee engagement survey, there was a pretty big difference between how men felt about working here and how women felt about working here. Men were just elated. They loved working here. Um, I mean, it was basically 100% um, or really close to it. Um, women was more like 80%. And I'm like, wow, how do we have such a big disconnect between the men and the women here. And so that was kind of my first year really digging into that. And, and ultimately, I think it was a matter of respect. You know, we have a lot of women in more administrative roles and, uh, and you know, they didn't always feel respected. They didn't always feel like their, their opinion mattered. And so we've really been working on um, empowerment. Uh, we've been working on, you know, getting critical feedback and how to bounce back from that easily. And just really having some of those open discussions, you know, amongst our group. And we've got a book club now. We do some outings together as ladies. And I, I, you know, for me personally, you know, the higher up you go in the organization, the less feedback you get because everybody tries to have that interaction with you be positive, right? They always want to tell you all the good things. Um, and so I think it's been an opportunity for me to learn a little bit more about the not so good things and the opportunities. And I just really appreciate that. That's huge. And I think that's the, such a critical piece of, of that engagement is really being willing in, in, to take both pieces, the good and the maybe not so good. Do you, um, you know, you are in such a, an, an awesome position for women. Do you have any like kind of advice for both men and women, but who are really kind of in a, a place sort of similar to you where maybe they are 
um, in maybe a more male dominated industry and, or maybe they're just trying to kind of figure out where their place is in a corporation. Do you have any Mm -hmm. advice that you'd give um, both men who are working with women in this, in this regard and the women who are there themselves? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I wish I had all the answers, you know, I think there are some cultures that are really open to understanding the needs of women and men, right? Because they are very different. Um, And I think the organizations that really value that diversity, those organizations thrive. And then there's organizations that really, they want that diversity, but they just don't know how to get there. Uh, They they say they want it, they, they try, but ultimately it fails because they can just never get enough diversity in the organization um, for it to really have an impact, right? So what I would say, I think, starting with, with women, you know, if you find yourself in an organization where, where you're putting yourself out there and you just, it just never feels right, it just never feels like you're really able to fit in and you're having those open conversations with your boss and with other folks in the organization and specifically looking at your leadership team, you know, I got to I gotta be honest, you know, I, I to me, it's just not worth it. Find an organization where you can thrive um, because, you know, give it your all and, and try, try to the best of your ability to put yourself out there. But if you just keep hitting a wall, then they're probably not ready for it. Um, and then I would just, you know, encourage you to reach out to other, other women or other men in the industry and, and find that more diverse organization. Um, I, for me, it's been life altering, quite frankly. Um, and, um, and not having ever had it previously, it, it, it's just, I had no idea it was out there, right? So I would encourage you guys, you know, if you just try, 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 and you just can't get there, um, you know, look for something else, make a change. Um, you know, for men, I think it's an interesting time for men too, right? Because there's this, this focus on women empowerment and, uh, you know, sometimes they feel like, okay, well, where's my, you know, men's group and, and all this other stuff, right? And I get that. And I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's not about men and women. It's just about, you know, that there's all kinds of diversity. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to respect. Um, and it comes down to being able to be transparent and vulnerable and just being open and honest with each other. And, you know, some people struggle with that more than others. And some people are really good at it. I think if you just, you know, you come to work and you just try to be you and you try to learn and you try to grow and, and you try to, have a positive impact on people. I think that's that's probably the number one thing. I mean, you look at, I look around today and, you know, so many people, you know, they look down on their phones. They're not even aware of their surroundings, right? It's just, we've, we've just become so um, unaware, I think, sometimes, you know, we're kind of in our own little bubbles. And so I think more than anything today, you just reach out and you try to learn more about the other people and you try to have less focus on yourself and just try to see how you can help the people around you it's going to have a major impact. That's huge. And that's such great advice. You know, it's, it's relatively simple and yet it just takes, you know, consistency and awareness. You, um, you mentioned that you guys have a book club. Can you share with us a few books that you would recommend? Um, you know, it's, that's a great question. So we started out with lean in from Cheryl Sandberg and that's been, that was really good. And uh, we're moving on to Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. Um, yeah. And so I think, um, you know, those are kind of the first two that, that we focused on, um, just based on, hey, what are the ladies trying to gain? Uh, and what I love about Brene Brown's books is just she is just so focused on 
emotional intelligence and um, you know empathy, vulnerability, even shame. Uh, she's just very open about it. And she's also very analytical. Um, so she doesn't really make it just like warm and fuzzy. There's really a lot of um, data behind it. Yeah. So those are the two that I would recommend if, if you guys you know have not read those two books. Oh, they're awesome. I actually just finished Dare to Lead and it's okay. phenomenal. I, I yeah. actually listened to it because I uh, would listen to it when I'm driving. So I got through it twice because I'm like, man, there's some good stuff in there. I need to go yeah. back. That's a, that's a great, a great book. And she does, she's just so big on authenticity, which I think is so cool. It seems like, you know, and I'd love your perspective on this. It seems like we really are finally taking a shift towards um, being authentic and that that's really where so much of our impact can be found is in our ability to just be ourselves and share that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'd also add, you know, I just picked up, I read this book, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, and I just pulled it back up and my God, I had so many highlights in it the last go around, you know, but now being in a very different place in my life, I was like, okay, let me see what I get out of this one. Now. I think, yeah, I don't know how old the book is, probably 50, 60 years old. Right. But it's just so impactful still today. So that's probably another one to add to the list, but I agree with you with authenticity. I mean, you know, coming from the German culture, that's a pretty easy one for me. Um, but I remember, you know, when I, you know, came off the boat, so to speak, and, and, you know, experienced the American culture is just, it, it's very, very different. You know, it's, 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 and, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound too negative, but it felt really fake to me initially. Um, and I think, you know, some of it is just, um, you know, nobody wants to hurt anybody's feeling. And I totally get that. And there's an approach for everything, but I do feel like we're starting to make a little bit of a shift here. Uh, it's a little bumpy, you know, because yeah, sometimes yeah. you get a little too polarized. Um, but um, but it is shifting a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how how this all plays out in the in the culture. Yeah, it will be interesting. And I'm curious too, you know, with you being in the corporate world, um, are you seeing any like kind of shifts or trends in mindset or philosophy there as well? You know, it's it's hard for me to kind of talk about shifts. Um, because I've only been here four years and this culture is so much more progressive than what I was used to, you know, in my, in the prior culture. Um, I feel like some organizations, I, I just think there's such a broad scale right now. Some organizations are still in the dark ages, right? And some organizations are really, really progressive. And, and there are some clear differences. And, you know, I just had breakfast with a lady this morning um, you know, she's going into an interview this, this week. And, and I was like, look, you know, you, you've got to interview that organization, um, just as they're interviewing you, because there's such big differences, organization to organization, some have real awareness, and some really don't. And you really need to dive in and meet the people and understand really what that organization's culture is. Because I, I just think it's the number one thing that you got to look for today. If you if you want to Stay with the company, and I'm a very you know loyal person. I've only been in a couple of jobs um, over the course of my career, so I, I don't like to, to jump around. But you've got to really align yourself with an organization that's going to allow you to thrive. And so I think I think organizations are becoming more uh, more progressive, but at different speeds. And some just don't want to progress at all. I mean, I look around, you know, some other organizations here in Denver in the home building industry, and you know, there's just no sign of them wanting to change. And so you just have to be very aware of that. 
Absolutely. It's huge. They're talking so much right now about emotional intelligence. And I was just listening to another uh, podcast that was about like the business round table. And they were saying, and it was a group of huge um, corporations and they were talking about uh, corporate consciousness and how that really is huge right now that we have to not only be concerned about the shareholders, but we really need to be concerned about the emotional intelligence of our employees and of our customers and how we interface with all of that. Uh, and so I think, you know, some, like you said, some are moving a little more quickly and a little more welcoming to the idea, um, while others are still kind of maybe uh, putting their feet in the, in the ground a little as, as they move towards that. Do you, um, you know, are you working on or have any fun, like kind of current adventures that you would like to include us on? Wow, adventures. Well, you know, I have a 10 and a seven year old. So my adventures consist of attending soccer and football games, you know, every weekend. So I'm like, wow, can I really do this any longer? Um, yeah, you know, I we just got our epic passes. So my little guy, he skis and uh, snowboards with me. My little girl, I'm trying to, you know, get her on skis. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit harder for her. But yeah, we love the mountains. Um, you know, I'm actually going to go to Disney World for the first time this fall. Awesome. So I'm scared and excited all at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, but because my family's in Europe, we go to Europe every year. And uh, my kids actually spend a whole month there with uh, grandma and grandpa this summer. So that's kind of our thing. You know, we get out of here in the summertime and uh, head over there. I try to hit a different country every year. And, uh, you know, it, it always gives me really good perspective because, you know, in the States, we're still very much focused on work's the priority. Um, certainly isn't that way in Europe. It's a lot more balanced. Um, there's a lot broader worldview. Um, you know, they're just really tuned into a lot of different things across the globe. And I just love going over there and just getting a little bit of a gut check, um, yeah. you know, on what the rest of the world is doing. Um, and just seeing the beauty over there too. So yeah, you know, I love to travel. Uh, it's kind of my thing. I actually, uh, I just picked up a new set of golf uh, clubs last week. I'm going to try to see if I cannot embarrass myself playing 18 holes. So, you know, just trying to, trying to uh, better myself, you know, but other than that, I love to run. I love to work out. That's kind of my, my stress relief too. That's awesome. And that really is like that whole kind of uh, work life integration, you know, where it's like you understand what you need in order to kind of keep that, that balance in order to be a, a whole person. Mm -hmm. Well, Ricarda, it has been absolutely a pleasure to have you this morning. And, um, and I would love if you before we wrap up, if you have any final thoughts you'd like to share. You know, gosh, I just, I go back to just be authentic. You know, I, I think um, there's so much negativity out there. It's easy to get down. Um, it's easier to put your own barriers. And I think as women, um, we tend to hold ourselves back because we just think, oh, well, I'm just not perfect yet, right? I'm not quite ready yet. And uh, just, just, you know, just put yourself out there and be vulnerable and just recognize you're going to fall. And if you don't, you're probably not stretching far enough and you know I think there's surround yourself with people that are going to support you they're going to love you uh, no matter what and then put yourself out there and find a way to make a difference and you're going to have probably a bumpier road but probably a more rewarding life right and that's kind of what I'm focused on right now and I just think there's so much um, opportunity out there today that you know I try to say yes whenever I'm asked to do something until I kind of hit that, you know, wall of, hey, I can't do anymore. Um, 
And, you know, that's, that's kind of my strategy right now. You know, you got to kind of figure out what works for you, but um, put yourself out there and, and, you know, figure out how you can make a difference. Oh my gosh, that's such great advice. And Ricardo, we will have all of your contact information and how to reach you and, and really connect with you in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here this morning. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Well, we look forward to continuing to watch where you go and, and what you're involved in. And uh, we hope to have you back again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.